Okay. Thank you so much, Shlomo. Arranging everything. We are Parshas Vayete, Drosh Vav. So the Indian that we're going to look at tonight is uh, Yaakov's dream. What, where he was, what he saw in the dream. Obviously, we know the simple text in the Pasuk. He sees a, a ladder. And he's able to see the angels going up and down. That much is pretty clear. Uh, but we're going to be talking specifically about the location of Yaakov's dream. And what, what really, I guess, the, the bigger representation of what Beis HaMikdash means to us, uh, the centrality of the Beis HaMikdash, uh, versus living as a Yid in Gullis, in exile, and how we're able to still relate to the Beis HaMikdash even from a place of exile. That's pretty much uh, where we're going to look at. So let's just look at the text for a second before we start. Uh, the first Mar- of the Marmakomas here, uh, source one. So Yaakov wakes up from his sleep. And he says, so clearly, like Achin, it is certainly indeed true that there is Hashem in this place. Uh, he's realizing that he's connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this place. But he says, But I myself was not aware of this until now. In other words, there's some sort of realization, like a revelation that he has, some a clarity of mind, which Yaakov is speaking about. There's a fear which seizes him, and he says, How awesome is this place? He feels a sense of awesomeness, like, and that's, again, it's, it's intimidation, but the sort of intimidation where you're, you really see that something is beyond you, you're connected to it still, and you feel an awesomeness. Like, that's the root of that. Um, you know, like, obviously, I love him, but like, if a person is around something that's great, something that's clearly beyond them, but yet they're witnessing it, whether it's a great sports moment, it's a great athletic moment, it's a great music moment, it's a great business, but something that's clearly like beyond you, and yet you're there, you're present, so that's awesome. That's the root of awesomeness, always in Lashon HaKodesh. Nanoira is when you're feeling connected to something way beyond you. How awesome is this specific place? This is not, look at the text very carefully here, it is not key only, or rather, what is it? It is the house of God. And this place, Shara Shemayim, is the gateway to heaven. So clearly what's difficult here about the wording of the Pasuk is that Yaakov is saying, we're going to have to focus on what it means that it's awesome. But then specifically as he moves on, this is not, that's a very difficult two words. This is not, unless it is base Elohim. That's a very complex statement. You know, you could just say, this is the house of God. But there's a lot of extra words there. This is not, but only the house of God. This is not, but only. Like, imagine you're talking like that in English. It would, it would definitely throw you off. And this is the, uh, the gateway to heaven. So let's already start right away with the text of the Zerah Shimshon. And he takes a look. It's something from the base Yosef. So Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Kasha, there's a few difficulties that we're going to look at in the Pasuk. Lama Amar Belashon Shalila. So Shalila is the negative. When a person speaks in the negative, there's always something confusing in language. Instead of a person making their point, they speak of what it is not, then that's obviously going to be a confusion in the text. So why does Yaakov speak in the negative? To say, this is nothing other than the house of God. He simply should have said, this is the house of God. Saying it in the negative, that this is nothing other than the house of God, that's clearly a confusing statement. Very simple question in text. The ode, and furthermore, if you're describing the Beis HaMikdash and you want to say what's amazing about it or your connection to Hashem, why specifically awesomeness? What is the root of awesomeness and Nora as a, as, as a description of the Makam of the Beis HaMikdash? Umahu ma Nora. And now he's 
going on to another question. Not only are we trying to understand the description of awesome, but we want to know about the degree of awesomeness, right? That's always like, how awesome can something be? Ma noira. So ma noira means how awesome. I think that would be the correct translation. Ma noira. Instead of saying, this is an awesome place, I say, how awesome is this place? And that's, de- that's describing not only the place for being awesome, but the extreme awesomeness that is felt in the place. And the question is, as if there's something exceedingly awesome about the place. And that's what he's struggling with. So to summarize where we are, we basically have three questions on the text. The first question is, why speak in the negative? This is nothing other than the house of God. Question two, why are we describing the house of God as awesome? What is the root of awesomeness in relation to the base of Mikdash? And the third question is, what is the point of saying, how awesome is this, instead of just saying, this is awesome? Those are the three questions that we are uh, looking at in the text here. So now we're going to get to one last question here, which is based upon a Beis Yosef. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, what's amazing about the Beis Yosef is that Beis Yosef is really halacha context. And he's commenting everything that he's doing is usually halacha. You know, Beis Yosef is background to Shulchan Aruch. But there's a few times where Beis Yosef, we know the Beis Yosef was often visited by a malach. It was a fascinating thing. He has a lot of Kabbalah with him. He's visited by a malach. Everything he wrote, it's hard to say he was a navi but he writes that he used to have these dreams, these prophetic dreams about the halacha, which is an incredible idea, and that the Shulchan Aruch was written based upon this. So there are a few times where in Beis Yosef he will actually uh, find overlap between Agada and halacha, which is rare. It's rare to find them, but the few times that you find them, they're, they're gems, because this is Mr. Halacha. This is the man writing the Shulchan Aruch, and here he is. Yeah. The Beis Yosef is written by the man who wrote Correct, the same person. Same person. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So here he quotes something fascinating from the Beis Yosef in the laws of Tishabov. It's written as follows. There are those. Some people have a custom, instead of sleeping with something comfortable under their heads, that on the Tishabov night they'll sleep with their heads under, uh, on top of a stone. Why a stone? Remez Ladover, because they find allusion to this practice in this idea that Yaakov lies down at Haramoria. What does the Pusik say? Before he falls asleep, he's looking for something to rest his head on. He takes from the stones of the place. He arranges them around his head and he has something to rest his head on. What happens in his dream? In the dream, he's a, he has the vision of the Beis HaMikdash. How do we know that? Because he says, how awesome in this, is this place? And we're going to see in one moment that awesomeness is a description of the Beis HaMikdash. So if Yaakov saw the Beis HaMikdash and he saw it and he was sleeping on a stone... So on the night, now continue, here's the hard words, V'chorban ra'ah, Yaakov saw the destruction of the temple as well. So now, when it's Tisha B'av, you should, if you want to put yourself back into the mode of destruction, sleep with a rock under your head. Now, what's the obvious question here? Where did Yaakov see the destruction of the temple? It says he has a dream, there's angels, and we're going to see in a second, Manorah HaMakom is a reflection, a description of the temple. Great, beautiful, lofty ideas. But the, this, this opinion, the Haggadah's Mordechai, the Beis Yosef is quoting and saying something more. It's saying that Yaakov saw the Beis HaMikdash destroyed, and now the rock becomes not a symbol of a Beis HaMikdash, but to the contrary, the rock becomes the symbol of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. That's the end of the quote. So just to summarize, the Beis Yosef is saying people have the custom to sleep Tisha above night with their heads resting on a, on a rock. Why is that? Because it alludes to the idea of the story when Yaakov placed a rock under his head and on that night he dreamed about a temple and he saw that temple being destroyed. That is what we're saying. 
But Vikasha says the Zerah Shimshon, that's difficult. Heicha remiza ba'pasuk she'yakov ra'achorban. Where can you see that Yaakov saw the destruction of the temple? Where can you figure that out? Now, let's take a step back. Where do we know that Yaakov saw a temple at all? Where, where are we getting the entire idea that he saw a temple? We know perhaps that he was at the temple. That's kind of the symbolism in the story. He goes back to pray at the place where his forefathers, where his father and grandfather had prayed. It's Haramoria. It's the site of the Akedah. In the future, there's going to be a base of Mikdash. We can kind of get around that. But how do we know specifically that it's the base of Mikdash at all? Before we move on to our question of where he saw the destruction, we kind of need to understand at all how we know there was a base of Mikdash. So take a look at source number two. Uh, source number two, the Midrash says he's describing it as being awesome. So we're trying to figure out what's this awesomeness. So if you look at the second, base, at the second paragraph, we're talking about the fact that there are two temples. There's a temple here in this world and that there's a temple which corresponds to the base of Mikdash in this world, a temple in heaven. And the distance from between them going up and down is only 18 mil, which is not that, that much. Matam, how do we know that there's a temple in heaven and a temple that corresponding to that down here? Shar Hashemayim. Yaakov says, this is the gateway to heaven. What is Zeh? Zeh is a Zion and a He. Minyan Vezeh, very good. So we get the, I'm sorry, the Vav, the Zion and the He. Six plus seven plus five. That is a total of 18. So there's an idea that Yaakov Avinu is experiencing the gateway to heaven, meaning he's looking at a Beis HaMikdash here, and it's Mechuvan, it corresponds directly to a Beis HaMikdash up on top, which is 18 mila on top. Davar Acher, another interpretation, this is the one we need. He showed Yaakov a Beis HaMikdash built, then destroyed, then rebuilt. How do we see this? Because Yaakov says this place is awesome. That refers to a Beis HaMikdash being built. It's what you, the Pasuk and Tehillim says, and here it is. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim that says the awesomeness of God is from the base HaMikdash. So we see no raw awesomeness as a description of the temple. So that's how this whole thing is unfolding, is that Nora is used in the Pasuk in Tehillim with the context of the base HaMikdash. Yaakov is saying, It must be that he's seeing the temple. That's how the whole thing is starting. And we can understand that. He's in Haramoria. He's a prophetic vision. There's a ladder about the future. It's connected heaven and earth. We know there's a base on Mikdash straight up, directly corresponding in heaven, where the base on Mikdash is down here. The themes shape together. Everything's great, except for one problem. How do we know that he's looking at a base on Mikdash being destroyed as well? That's the main issue which the base Yosef, which, which the Zerah Shimshon has. And again, the place where this question is so pronounced is when you see a guy taking out a rock on Tisha B'Av night and he says, I'm going to sleep on a rock the same way Yaakov slept on a rock. Yaakov slept on a rock and saw Korban, saw Besamekdash destroyed. I'm experiencing the pain, the bitterness of Korban. I'm going to sleep on a rock tonight. Where do we get that? Where is this custom from? Now, it's amazing because we don't really have that custom, right? We go with like the, the easier custom of just like maybe taking away one pillow or all your pillows. Maybe some people are a little bit more strict. Maybe some lofty spiritual Jews will sleep on the floor on Tishbub of Night. I don't know anyone who sleeps with a rock under their head on Tishbub of Night, but it is, it is in the base of Yosef. Like it's, it's, not, it's not completely made up. And it's made up because Yaakov slept with the rock. Yeah. The base Yosef and Zerah Shimshon, were they contemporary? No, uh, that uh, 300 years off. Yeah, Beis Yosef is earlier. So, so now that's, that's what he's struggling with is what the Beis Yosef is saying. He's like, I don't understand the concept. And the person who the Beis Yosef was quoting is even another hundred years before that. So here we go. Ella kach perusho. 
Finally, here we're going to get it. Says the Zerah Shimshon. Manora Hamakom The first, the Pasuk started, how awesome is this place? Hanor Ba'i Clearly he's looking at the base of Mikdash. Fa'achar Sharah, base of Mikdash, lo Amar Zeh, base Elohim. Here's the key. He didn't say this that I'm looking at is the house of God. He didn't say the base of Mikdash that I see is the house. Ella, what did he say? He spoke the negative. What did he say? He said, this is not anything other than the house of God. What does he mean? What Yaakov is in effect saying is, what I'm seeing, the Beis HaMikdash, which will be built in this world, is not the real one. It's not the eternal Beis HaMikdash. You can show me the vision of the Beis HaMikdash. You can transplant me to when Shlomo HaMelech is going to build the Beis HaMikdash. And I can see it. But you know what I'm going to say when I see it? This is not it. I'm seeing it, but I know that this is not the eternal thing. And in what sense do I know it's not? Because Yaakov is seeing the, in his prophetic moment here, he's seeing that it's going to be destroyed. So that's why he's saying this is not. So then what is the real? If it's ain't that, if it's not this, then what is it? It must be what is the real only the that God himself will build which is a reference to the third the eternal the still to come only that one is going to be the real one so what basically Yaakov is saying is that you have to break what he's saying is that you have to break up Yaakov's phrase into two should not be read together you should read it with a nice comma what I'm looking at, this is not it. Rather, ki and base Elohim. What is actually going to last will only be the house of God. And only that one will, will, will be eternal. Ki and base Elohim. However, Yaakov concludes, I understand that we're never gonna that, that the, the one we are looking at is going to be destroyed. But this place is forever going to be the Sha'ar Hashemayim. The gate to the heavens. Meaning to say, even if the base of Hitosh will be destroyed, and I know it's an Ein Zeh, I know I'm not looking at the real thing, because the real thing is, Kiyam Beis Elohim, only the house that God himself built. The base of Hitosh is not the one that we built, it's not the house of God. That's the house we built for God to rest in, but it's our home that we built. The real thing is only Beis Elohim, only the one that God will build. However, Vazeh, going back to the one that we build, this spot, Shar HaShemayim. This spot is forever the gates towards heaven. What does that mean? Because everyone will direct their hearts toward this spot when they daven. By thinking about the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And what Yaakov Avinu is alluding to is that even when the Beis HaMikdash is not standing and we don't have the Avodah, when the Kohen isn't there and everything is in ruins, but if everybody, anytime any Jew goes to daven, they're mechavinus libam, they concentrate their hearts, they devote their energies through thinking about the Beis HaMikdash, and therefore, even though it's destroyed, it's not this. This thing is not eternal. What's the only thing that's eternal is Kiyam Beis Elohim. But still, Vizeh, the, the ephemeral temporary Beis HaMikdash, which will be destroyed, is always going to be the Shara Shemayim. It will forever be the gateway to heaven. Because no matter when a Yid is davening, whether the Beis HaMikdash exists or it doesn't exist, they always focus on the Beis HaMikdash. And what he's getting that from in Source 3 is the Mishnah in Brachos. And the Mishnah in Brachos says that when a person is, is riding on a donkey, ideally before they pray, they should get off the donkey and pray. But what if they cannot pray? Well, then at least they should turn their face away from the road. What if they cannot do that? What if they need to concentrate on the road? Well, then Yechavin is Libo, Kenegad Beis Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's always the Jewish philosophy. We'd always look and say, in my heart, I can think about what's my heart, channel that, direct that towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And that's something which I'm able to do, whether or not it's standing right now or it's not standing.
So where are we so far? Where we are so far is that we asked, let's go, go again, recap the questions and see how the questions were answered. The first question was, why is Yaakov speaking in the negative by saying, this is nothing other than the house of God? Why doesn't he just say, this is the house of God? The second question is, uh, the other question that we focused on for a second is how did the Beis Yosef know that Yaakov saw the destruction of the Beis Amikdash? At this point, both of those questions are answered. First of all, the reason Yaakov spoke in the negative is specifically because he's seeing the Beis Amikdash that is going to be destroyed. He's saying, Ein zeh, you show me that, but I know that's not the eternal thing. I know it's not it. It must be Yaakov is foreseeing not only that the temple will be built, but that he's seeing it be destroyed as well. And that's what makes him say, speak in the negative and say, this is not it. The only thing which will be at Kim Beis Elokim is really only going to be the one that's going to be built, uh, the third Beis HaMikdash in the future. So we can now understand at least where he was informed that the Beis HaMikdash would be destroyed. And we understand that he was informed that and the point when he said Ein Zeh, if he hadn't been informed about the destruction, he would not have made that comment. Okay, so far we've addressed that point of how we know the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed from his dream and why he spoke in the negative. What we have not yet addressed is the awesome factor why he describes it as being awesome and specifically very awesome. Those are the two points we still have to address. So and now he continues. It's well known, and it's not so well known, so let's actually read the Gemara, which he's going to quote. It's source number four, that in the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash, there was a period, there was a body of, uh, of, of Chachamim called the Anshe Knesset HaGadola. What did the Anshe Knesset HaGadola do? They're called the men of the Great Assembly. Why are they a Great Assembly? Why are they a Knesset HaGadola? Says the Gemara, They restored the glory of God. In what sense? Asa Moshe, when Moshe described the Kaddish Baruch what does Moshe say? Hakel HaGadola Gibor V'Hanora. God is great, he is mighty, and he is awesome. Asa Yirmiya V'Amar, by the destruction of the first base of Mekdash, Yirmiya comes and he says, I don't understand. Goyim Mekarkin V'Hecholo. The Goyim are doing whatever they'd like in the Hechol of God. And totally, uh, totally, totally defiling it. I know Rosov. I don't see greatness of God. I don't see awesomeness. Lo Amar Nora. He removed the title of awesomeness when describing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Also, Daniel. Daniel said, The Goyim subjugate the, the, the children of God. I Rosov. Where is God's might? Lo Amar Gibor. He removed the title of mighty from God's name. Also, Daniel Vamru. So now look at this. God's glory is literally falling away. People can no longer relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a great, mighty, and awesome person. And just to understand that a little bit more, it's not that Yirmi and Daniel were apikarsim and they denied that God objectively was mighty and awesome. But what the Gemara is saying is that what, people didn't feel that might and awesomeness. And if they didn't feel it, it was hard for them to pray with saying those words. So come along, they came along and they said, Adarabah. Just the opposite. What does the word Adarabah mean? It means not only am I going to give you an answer, but your question has such like, it's like I'm going to flip the question on its head and turn it around. Zuhi Gvuraso. That is the might of God. Shekovish is Yisro. He has to suppress his Yetzer. You know what his Yetzer wants to do? He wants to punish. But what is God's solution? He is patient with those who sin. The Eluhain. And this is the awesomeness of God. The awesomeness of God is the fact that the Jewish people are around despite that everybody is trying to get them. So in other words, you're saying, I'm not going to say the word that God is awesome because how can it be that we're cut off in exile and all the nations are subjugating us? It doesn't seem like God is awesome. Precisely the opposite. If we're able to somehow endure all that subjugation, then that proves that God is an awesome God. 
That's what the Anshei Knesset Zagadola said. And it's really, the truth is, an incredible, incredible concept because it really shows you it's all a question of perspective. You know, in other words, the awesomeness and the might come out in different ways. So where the people of Yirmiya and Daniel are looking at it through what's being lost, and that's really, they were looking at the changes where, where we are kicked out and banished, the Beis Amikdash is being destroyed. The Anshei Knesset Zagadola are coming one generation later and saying, well, we're still here and we're still live to fight another day and we're trying to rebuild the base of Mikdash and we're trying to get back on our own feet. So this is Ache Knesset Zagadola that they restore a sense of pride to the Jewish people. They're machzir, the sense of gadola back to us. We feel it now. We can say Nora and we can feel Nora. We can feel Nora, not because I'm looking at a base of Mikdash, but I feel Nora because somehow I'm here even though it's against what's defying every odd, what everybody would suggest would happen to us. Everybody would say, you cut me off from the temple, you subjugate me, you send me in exile, and I don't have any energy, no homeland, nothing. Well, then the Jewish people will cease to be. But I'm right back here. So the Atshik and Asakadola say, no, 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 we can still say Noah. So now let's realize what's going on here. Noah is, yes, it's true that Noah describes the base of Mikdash. Again, he started with that Pasuk in Tehillim, Noah Elohim Mikdash that the awesomeness of God is from the temple. We won't deny that the temple is a awesome, place of awesomeness. But what do we see now about Noah, which totally changes our perspective? Let's read inside. It's well known from that Gemara that Daniel and Yirmiyah, they didn't want to say the words Gibor Noah. And they changed, no. These are the displays of awesomeness because if it wouldn't be for Hashem's awesomeness, how could this one solitary nation be surviving amongst the 70 nations trying to kill it? So actually, here's the key. Not only does that temple signify God's awesomeness, the destruction of the temple is a manifestation of God's awesomeness. Because despite all of the attempts of the Goyim, and our Kaddish Baruch Hu's allowance of their, these attempts to come forth, but still we have survived. So now let's take it a step further, says the Zerashimshon. There's When you say Hakel, the God, now you're going to describe God in three words. Godol, great. Gibor, mighty. Vinora and awesome. One, two, three. God is also described as Eloke Avraham, Eloke Yitzchak, Veloke Yaakov. What we're going to do now is line up the three. What Avram Avinu did is make God great. Very easy to relate to. What was the role of Avram Avinu? Teach Torah, teach about monotheism, spread it to as many people I can get. As a nefesh asher asu b'charon. Vakel HaGadol is the God of Avraham. Hakel HaGibor, what is Givura? That is the Midah of Yitzchak. Yitzchak is Givura, the silence of Din. Yitzchak is the person who is solitary. He's the carbon. He's the person who cuts himself off from everyone else. They torment him, they flush him, and he's just sitting there digging his wells his whole life. The one of Midah of Givura of Din. So that's Hakel HaGadol HaGibor, to recognize Givura. Givura, the strength of God is most manifest through the Midah in the way that Yitzchak Avinu is related to. But now let's get to the third one. Vihanoira, the awesome God. What's the awesome God? That's the God of Yaakov. The God of Yaakov, and here's the key. Yaakov is the, na- the nationality of Judaism. Again, Avram spreads monotheism. Yitzchak is the Gvura, the Din, the ability to be insular when the world attacks you. What is Yaakov? Yaakov is nationality of, Yid- of Jews, the Jewish family. The one who builds out the Shvatim and makes us settle. Yaakov represents the Midah of Nora. Nora means no matter what the world will do to us, we're still here. That's the Midah of Yaakov. And then you kind of read the story in Parshas Vayetzev that that's the story of Yaakov. How is the Jewish family built? The Jewish family is built under the threats of all, it's not like sometimes we have a threat of Yaakov, sometimes we have a threat of Lavan, sometimes we have a threat of Esav. There's a lot of different people trying to harm Yaakov. But he builds the Jewish family, the Jewish family survives, 
and thrives under all these conditions. That's the Midah of Yaakov. That's Naira. Because again, what shows us awesomeness, what shows us awesomeness isn't necessarily the beautiful edifice of the base of Mikdash. It's not even miracles taking place in the base of Mikdash necessarily. The Midah of Naira is the existence and the survival of the Jewish people despite any circumstance that is thrown to us by the world. That's the Midah of Naira. And that's what he continues. Now we understand that Naira is the Midah of Yaakov. Anyone who knows the secrets of Shemayin Asrei. See, tonight not only did you learn Torah, Fascinating. You learned what he calls a secret. A secret means more Kabbalistic. It's the Amida that the, 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 the Amida, every word which was put in, ironically, by the Anshay Knesset Sakadola that we've been discussing, everything has deep meaning. So it's not just three terms, it's more than that. It's also to know how to line those up, that's from the secrets of the Amida. So that's the pshat. Now we understand what's Yaakov's reaction to seeing the base of Mikdash built and destroyed. What he is saying is, first, my reaction is, I told you, even when I'm low and I'm looking at this, this isn't the real thing. This one's going to be destroyed. Only the house of God, which he'll build in the times of Mashiach, will be eternal. I'm not looking at that now. I'm looking at the thing which is not. That's what his, his real expression, his real exclamation is, Ain't This is not it. But you know what? Even though it's not it, not only despite the fact that it's not it, this is awesome. Because this is not it, that's why it's so awesome. It's like, take it and flip it on its head. This is not so amazing. That's what makes this so amazing. If this would be eternal, if the Jewish people would all forever have the temple and we'd have everything and the pride and the glory and everything, all right, we would understand why God is awesome. We would see it on a simplistic level. But because this is an ain, this is something which is only transit, which is only transitory, we're not going to have it forever. The basement will be destroyed. I'm telling you still, even when the temple is no longer here, it's going to be in desolation. If anything, it's going to become more awesome. And why is it going to become more awesome? And now you can understand how we answered our question. The question isn't why are you describing the temple as awesome? We understand the temple is an awesome place. But why am I saying manaira? How awesome is it? You know why? Because the description of awesome goes up with the destruction of the temple. When the temple is standing, it's an awesome place. We relate a lot of Kedusha. When the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed and Jews are still thinking about the Beis HaMikdash 2,000 years later, get drawing that as their source of energy and be protection from all the threats of the world, that's Manaira. That's awesomeness going up to the next degree. Shehene Ozni or Yer Yaiser will be a greater display of Hashem's awesomeness. Shehene and Arosav, exactly what Abshik Nesla said, that this is the great displays of the awesomeness. So basically, number one, we've explained why Yaakov is describing awesomeness. He's describing awesomeness because this relates to the Gemara and Yuma, like we saw, where the Nairais of Shalak Baruch Hu are most pronounced. In Jewish identity, in the fact that Judaism as a culture, as a nation, as a family can endure throughout any challenge that life throws us. That is the greatest nairos that we can find. Yaakov Avinu, who is seeing the Beis HaMikdash, as we explained, he's not seeing the eternal one. He's saying, Einzeh. The only one that's eternal is Kim Beis HaLokim. When he says, Einzeh, 
That's now specifically why he's able to say not only that it's Naira, but it's Ma Naira to appreciate just how awesome it is. You know, when you sit on the and the Chorban and the Beis Hamikdash, when you're sitting there on Tishabah, there's a and there's definitely an ambivalence in that morning. That why is it? Because on the one hand, you are sad. You want the Beis Hamikdash. There's no question that you're not doing Tishabah correctly if you don't want the Beis Hamikdash. That's the point. We have to want it. We have to want the opportunities and the greater spirituality. But when you're sitting on that floor morning. If you really do it correctly, it feels amazing. Why does it feel amazing? Not only because you're hoping and yearning for a base HaMikdash, because you feel connected and identifying with who you are as a Jewish person. It's absolutely incredible to realize that you're still yearning for something which has been gone for 2,000 years. There's nothing else that's simply in the entire world, in any, in any realm of world history, that even is close to such a thing. That something is gone for thousands of years, and yet... People still, you're in and you're out are sitting and mourning for such a thing. You know, it's incredible to think about sometimes all the halachas that we have. Think about hundreds of years, thousand years. We're getting, you know, different things, the halachas. How many times since the years the Shulchan Aruch has been written? Call it 500 years. There is not one halacha which has been stopped to practice. You know, it's like an amazing thing. We've been in so many countries, different different walks of life. And yet we are still observing today, 500 years later, to the T, to every single inference, to every single letter that it says in the Shulchan Aruch, Jews have not stopped following. And don't worry about how many Jews. You know, sometimes it's like everybody wants to focus on the numbers, how few Jews we have that are doing it. That's not the story. The story is in the few. The story is never how many people are not doing it. It's in the stories and the people who do do it. The awesomeness of God is that you can have however few people it is. But that's an amazing, amazing accomplishment, and we're lucky to be a part of that. That is the greatest manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's awesomeness. Okay? That's, I think, the piece from the Zerah Shimshon. I'm going to show you now how that's good and gishmak, but if you take this a little bit further, it gets really gishmak. Okay? So I just want to recap where we are, and then we'll get to the super juicy part. Where we are right now is, we started with questions. Why is Yaakov speaking in the negative? This is not. Why is he describing awesomeness? And what does he mean with how awesome? Those were the three opening questions. We now understand each of those points with an absolute clarity. The point that he's saying of Ein Zeh is because he's looking at a base Amikdash which he sees will be destroyed. That's why he breaks it in two. Ein Zeh, this isn't the real thing. The only real thing is Kim Beis Elokim, the third Mashiach. That's A. B, he's describing awesomeness because the Beis HaMikdash is described as awesome. But how awesome it is is because the Gemara Numa tells us that the real great awesomeness of God is not in the Beis HaMikdash, but rather in the destruction of the Temple. When the Jews are still practicing devoid of that, they still subjugate their hearts towards the Kodesh HaKadosh when there's nothing there, when there's, a, when there's a mask there, and we're still thinking about the Beis HaMikdash. I mean, that's a wild thought. There's a wild thought in that. So that's the greatest Nora Oso of HaKadosh Baruch And this all now goes together with this Minuk that the Beis Yosef is quoting that people want to sleep with a rock under their head on Tishabov to remember the story of Yaakov. What does it mean remember the story of Yaakov? Yaakov seeing the Beis HaMikdash. No, the Pshad is Yaakov is not seeing the Beis HaMikdash itself. He's seeing the Beis HaMikdash and then it's destruction. So Yaakov's vision of what, it, of what the, the Beis HaMikdash being destroyed is in now the symbolism of a rock. All right, awesome. Now... Let's see, Perkid Rebbe Lezer, source six. This I really, I'm putting together, this is in the first Shtickle Zerah Shimshon on Parshas Vayetze. I'm just taking one idea that he said there, connecting it to what he said here in Drush Yud Beis. It, it's mind-boggling. Here we go. Vayeshev Yaakov, local Tzavonim, source six. Everything is a rock. So what does he do with the rock afterwards? He makes a, like, a, he makes an altar out of it. Right? He makes a thing, he brings Karbanos there. But what, what happens when he does that? Says the says Pirkei Rebbe says the Medrash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes. 
God takes his right foot, Vitava heaven, and he and he pushes the stone down, until the deepest of the depths of the world. And God makes that stone of Yaakov, which he rested his head on when he saw the dream, it becomes the foundation of the world. This rock now becomes known as the Evan Hashasiyah. Shasiyah means, to just to translate accurately, foundational. It's like the, the bedrock of the world. Everything now rests upon this rock. This rock of Yaakov, which he slept on, then made into a matzeva. God takes and describes this as being the foundation of the world. And therefore, it is called Evan Shasiyah, the foundational rock. Where do we know about the Evan Shasiyah? What in Judaism do we know about this rock? Is it down in the core of the earth? What happened to it? Look at the Mishnah and Yuma, source number seven. In the first place on Mikdash, there was an Aron. What's an Aron? The holiest thing that Judaism has is the Aron, right? That's the holiest thing. 100 years before the base of Mikdash was destroyed, Yoshia the king made a decision to hide the Aron. You ever saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's true. The Aron was hidden, right? It was hidden because Yoshia did not want it to fall into bad hands. He made a decision to hide the Aron. The Gemara says, we don't know where it is. Three different opinions in the Talmud. Is it in Rome? Is it in Bavl? Is it in, under the temple? We don't know. And more than we don't know, the Gemara says, we don't try to look for it, okay? Bad things happen. People, we don't, we don't focus on the Aron. So what do they do? The entire second temple, what, what, what were they serving? The Kohen Galo comes in. It's the holiest day of the year. He shows up with the Ketores. There's no Aron. Where, 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 do you, where, do you, where do you do that Avodah? What do you do? Says the Mishnah, when the Aron was removed, there was a stone that was there. And it was there from the time of the early prophets. The name of that stone is the Evan HaShasiyah. It rise three fingers above the ground. A tiny little rock. And it was on that rock where he would put the Ketores on Yom Kippur. So here, now put that Pirkei to Rebbe with that Mishnah on Yuma. We have a rock that is called the Evan Shesiah. Shesiah means foundational. It is the bedrock of the entire world. The bedrock of the entire world is this little rock that they replaced for the Arun. Now just think about the symbolism. Arun is live, it's passion, it's gold. It's the most beautiful thing. And it's replaced by a dead, cold, dark stone. What kind of replacement for the Arun is that? And where does that come from? And why would it be there? And why, like, why not build another Arun? Like there are so many questions here that are flying. But this is, I think, the Vart. The people who were dealing with this problem of not having an Aron are the Anche Knesset Sagadola, the very people who we're looking at, who are describing coming back to Israel, trying to get their footing again, trying to build, rebuild a temple, and looking and relating to God with a newfound appreciation of what it means that our Kaddish Baruch Hu is Noro. Instead of seeing the greatness, the awesomeness of God in the presence, in the edifice, in the beauty of an Aron, in the majestic, beautiful thing, that was like a masterpiece of what it can be built, they now relate to the awesomeness of God in the way that Judaism is built as a family in a nation around Yaakov Avinu, that despite anything that is taken away, we are just as connected. So they say, you know something? Instead of having another Aron, through this temporary base amikdash that again we know will be destroyed, instead of having that, the greatest foundation for the entire world, for the entire avodah, for everything that we're going to do, even here while the base amikdash is standing, is actually Yaakov's stone, because Yaakov's stone symbolizes that a base amikdash can be destroyed and it's still noira hamakom hazeh, and it's not something that we mourn over and therefore 
we lost forever. We mourn over it and we lose certain opportunities. But the mourning itself actually gives opportunity for a greater awesomeness. Obviously, we don't wish for the base of this to be destroyed. It's very difficult to say this and, you know, toe the line here. But with the destruction of the base of Mikdash becomes Ma becomes something greater. Yaakov Inu is saying, This is not the real deal, but this specifically, everyone's thinking about this, and it's going to be That was the main place of Avodah even when the base of Mikdash stood. Meaning, this is not a perspective that we're going to have. Oh, once the base of Mikdash is destroyed, what are we going to do now? We no longer have an Aaron. What are we going to do? So we think and comfort ourselves about Yaakov's stone. It's even in the base of Mikdash itself. Once that great Aaron was removed, it was never replaced. And the main avoda was done with a dead, cold rock. And I think you think about it. Again, the Pasuk says, when you talk about the Navi talking about the future times, he says it's like a beautiful language. We read it on Yom Kippur. God says, he says, right now you have a heart of stone. But eventually, I'm going to take away your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And what that basically represents is, and I think you see this in this rock of Yaakov when we talk about destruction, is that there's nothing deader than a rock. It's literally the most dead possible thing. Sometimes you can have a really significant rock. Maybe it's a monument, something really cool. But this isn't that. It's some small rock here, three tefachim above the ground. The Evan Shasia isn't particularly enormous in size. It's not chiseled. It's not carved. It doesn't have any picture. It's just this little rock. It's all it is. But... We know that we can serve God with tremendous passion, despite the fact that superficially it seems like our hearts are hearts of stone. And that's kind of the point. The point is, imagine that scene, you come in and you're expecting an aron and you're expecting glory and you're expecting it to dazzle you and inspire you and blow you away by that scene of the aron and you walk in and there's just a rock and it's all there. There's no energy. There's nothing there. There's nothing to fight for. There's nothing, there's nothing to talk to you. But instead it's like, you know what? It's all good. This is the awesomeness of God. I feel who I am as a Yid. I feel my identity. This is still the same gateway to heaven, whether I see the Aronir, whether I don't see the Aronir. I can have the same Kavonos. My heart can be in the same place, regardless whether I'm looking at an Aron. I just have to close my eyes for a second. I'm right there. And that's exactly my Neuer HaMakom That's the greatest awesomeness. And I think if you think about it, to a certain degree, what it really is describing is the greatness of a human being. When we talk about how awesome God is, what we're really saying is how awesome of a connection he put for us, that we can exist, that we can thrive, that he can give us his hashkacha and our connection to him, that despite anything, we can still thrive. And that's an amazing, amazing concept. I think like sometimes, specifically in our, in our generation, we live looking for inspiration. When you're looking for inspiration, it's very tough because inspiration is very hard to come from within. Usually you want, you want something to, to, to reach you. You want something to inspire you. And you think when, you're, when you get that inspiration, all right, now I got it. But the reality is that there's something very much of inspiration, which is a crutch, which is not the real death of who you are. The real death of who you are is when you're dealing with the, the cold stone a lot of times. A lot of times the inspiration is not there. But we know how to be Ovid with the stone. We know how to work with it. We know how to make you know, maybe sometimes we struggle with our Judaism, we struggle with Avodah, we struggle with many things. But think about who you are, think about where you come from, think about the fact that you're still here. That's the greatest Neuroos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the Midah of Yaakov. That's the symbolism of the heaven, of him seeing the Chorban, and eventually here in the heaven of which was the cornerstone of the second base of Mikdash.